For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. This is Lizzie Boyle and Connor Boyle of Disconnected Press, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome to The Geek Show on The Geek Show Podcast Network. Regular listeners will note we took a week off because we've moved home. We're now on Audioboom, and you can still find us on iTunes and in various the various other places on the internet. My name's Rob, and joining me today are... <laughs> I'm the other Rob. And joining us are Graham, for the first time, I think, ever. Yes, indeed. And Mark. Hello. So, hi, everyone. As ever, I have gathered the choicest news articles from around the internet. Some serious, some not so much. And, as always, your recording, your reactions will be recorded for posterity. For training purposes. <laughs> yes. And monitoring. Yeah, and monitoring. I'm not going to say who's going to monitor you. Have, have we become one of those videos, one of those Wayne um, Brothers videos, where we're basically teenagers put in front of stuff from the 80s? Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Game Boy? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to hold it. My favourite ones are those are the ones where they forget to mismatch the thing that they're reacting to and the age range of the reactors. So it becomes teens react to Justin Bieber, and you think, what, what what's unique about this? I could literally just go down to any supermarket in the country and see this. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Right, Um, we're going to start off with Samsung. Now, Samsung have finally jumped on board the virtual assistant bandwagon because you've got, uh, is it Amazon have Alexa, Google have whatever they've called it, uh, Apple Mm. have Siri, and Samsung bought a company called, company uh, who did this thing called Viv. And finally, they've released their own assistant for their mobile devices, their own virtual is assistant. It called, is it called Viv? No, it's not called Viv. Because that'd be great, sort of a brassy northern class, a northern working class <laughs> barmaid. You know, did everything. <laughs> no, it's not called Viv. Um, before I tell funny. you the name, before I tell you the name of it, I would just want to say Samsung built this thing and designed it on four pillars. Two of them are completeness and context awareness. They basically want to rock and roll. Well, (laughs) the thing is, when they say completeness, they basically want this virtual assistant to be able to do everything that you could do with your hands just by your voice, which Mm. immediately to me (laughs) spells bad news. The second is context awareness. Sorry, what was that, Mark? Everybody who is here and is listening has kind of thought, I don't know if I want her to do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll try it. The second is context awareness. (laughs) You know, understand, so you can refer to pictures or films as this or that, and the virtual assistant will know what you're referring to. The third is cognitive tolerance, and basically this virtual assistant understands the whole sentence you're saying rather than just words. And lastly, the experience has to be frictionless. <laughs> I, I know I'm setting myself up for something here, but why would frictionless come up in the sort of the 
checklist of this stuff. I don't so know. You don't burn your <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for just cutting to the chase there. We're gonna have to bleep that, aren't we? <laughs> Um, do you know, the thing is, you might not want to use it for that when you find out what it's called. Because I saw the name and I immediately put the, put the, put a different name at the front of this. They've called it Bixby, as in Bill Bixby. Ah. As in the original, uh, the guy who played David Banner in the Incredible Hulk oh, TV series. They've called it Bixby. <laughs> Oh, well, to be fair, he could pull it off, and when the batteries blow up on the phone, that'll blow it off, so... Yeah, he could. It kind of works both ways. So, uh, I I question the naming of this. Yes. Um, I don't know, they're all pretty terrible names in general, I think. Although Civi does make me think that maybe it is an AI based on the Swedish-American feminist philosopher Civi Hudsfeds, which... True could be good. True, true, yeah, true. Uh, but Bixby is terrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's Samsung Bixby. What, why? Bixby just sounds like a, like a raccoon's name. It's kind of like put us off a bit more now. Yeah, well, it's not I'm that. When gone. your phone eventually does explode, they'll play that slow walking away music. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she's going to alert you to like the phone exploding. <laughs> like, I'm charging my lasers. <laughs> We're, we're assuming it's a she. We're assuming it's a she. They usually have a female voice, don't they? Yeah, that's why I was thinking, because there was a story uh, I saw recently where uh, a men's rights blogger... Come on, it's good already, isn't it, right? <laughs> <laughs> a men's rights blogger was outraged that uh, when he asked Alexa whether it was a feminist or not, it said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would bought yourself a literal robot servant for your house to do whatever you say, and it is still too independent-minded for you. <laughs> um, when I first heard it, I misheard it as Gatsby. <laughs> and the great Gatsby is in the very, very famous novel. And just after that, um, that little uh, bit about the uh, white man blogger for men's rights yeah maybe it should be gatsby yeah. maybe we've been doing it all wrong all the time you know maybe all these um voice activated i do dadders shutlers yeah <laughs> and talking third person yes <laughs> i don't know why we can't just name them anyway that's the point that that would obviously be the next frontier wouldn't it to have your own name yeah for your ai yeah then again if you've seen Pokemon, we can see pe- that people name some things very stupid. Yes, this is true. <laughs> right. Um, just uh, if, you, if you've seen sexists, you can say that that's going to be going in some particularly unsavory directions as well. And I'm not going to finish that joke. I'll let yeah. your imagination run riot. Yes. Or if you've seen a celebrity's kids, you know that people give things dumb names. True. Um, I'm going to name my brick. It's just so you can shout, I love my brick! Basically. And then Brick says, I love you too. And then that's the (laughs) thing which Father Jack never got. He never got reciprocal love, you know. (laughs) Anyway, leaving Bixby to one side. I'm not sure how to explain this one, but I'm going to try, right? Racing is a sport that a lot of people enjoy, right? I particularly enjoy the one where they chase a, a, a wheel of cheese down a hill. Yeah. That's my yes. favourite. Yes, it definitely. Sports of Kings. 
Well, <laughs> the spot of kings might actually, this might actually be the slowest spot of kings I have ever heard of. Right. Right. And not only that, you won't be able to see or hear it. It's a 36 hour endurance race. A group right. of scientists from all over the world are getting together. Uh, it's organized by the National Center for Scientific Research in France, and they're all getting together to find out who has built the best nano car for racing. Oh, and you say yeah. nano? Yeah, the How track. Small are we talking here? The track is one hundred nanometers long. And it's on a highly polished gold disc that's been chilled to minus 454 degrees Fahrenheit. And the only way to see the action is through special, specially customized scanning tunneling microscopes. God, it sounds like a Mario Kart track. Really niche interest, this. You know, you just see a lot of... I mean, I always picture scientists as people who, you know, have massive moustaches and wear monocles. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm very... Tw- I'm very, yeah. The character on the Phileas Fogg, Chris Bagg. That's your image of scientists, isn't it? <laughs> basically, basically. I'm just picturing a lot of laws with, like, telescopes staring at one compact disc. And <laughs> it's going to be really weird and there's going to be a lot of bumped heads and it's going to be really awkward. I know, this is like... This is like Robot Wars on like a really on on a really really tiny scale. The cars can only be one hundred atoms in size. <laughs> Just before you get to that, like there's got to be a point where like racing is so oversaturated, where somebody looks at it and thinks there's a hole in the market, and I know what the hole is. <laughs> it's so small you can't actually see it. So yeah, it's just bonkers. Why? Who? Who is the scientist who did this? It's got to be somebody who led the way. Because the idea that this is a consensus from like a group of scientists, it just makes it depressing that that's who's pushing science forward. You know? Oh no, there's there's a group of countries who all want to take part in this, and it's for national pride. <laughs> Yeah, we must not? join. It's about all we've got going for us at the moment, <laughs> I guess. We might as well race atomic cars. <laughs> yes. No, no, they're not atomic. If they were atomic, they'd be highly dangerous. <laughs> but the thing is, you're not going to see any of those explosions or crashes or anything like that, which ironically leads me on to my next story. <laughs> They've discovered a report that was published in the... Molecular Psychiatry Journal has found... Oh, it's good. It's good already. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> ...has found that you can reduce post-traumatic stress disorder after a car crash by playing Tetris. <laughs> Is that because it's like a controlled version of a car accident with all those blocks smashing into each other and disappearing? Possibly, I don't know. <laughs> Is it... Is it a normal game of Tetris as well? Because I don't know about anybody else, but when it starts getting really fast and really yeah. Um, yeah. full up the top, that's really stressful. Well, not and only that, when you're waiting for one of those long, thin ones. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, Tetris is kind of known to be doing like stuff like that anyway. I know my uncle managed to get out of like, stop smoking by just playing Tetris rather than having a cigarette. Really? It's just, yeah, it just took his mind off it. He was like, instead of playing like having a cigarette, he was like, I'm just going to play Tetris for five minutes. And like, yep. his, his brain was concentrating on not knocking up the lines. It's just, he never craved it as much. But yeah. now he's addicted to blocks. Yeah, now he got addicted to Tetris. <laughs> no, That's just blocks funny. in general. Any Anything, anytime he sees blocks in, in disarray, he has to stack them neatly. That's why he was trying to smoke Minecraft the other week. <laughs> 
Yeah, I uh, I, I quit smoking by moving on to crack. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's. I was thinking of better things, you know. I mean, blowing milk around a plate with a straw is better than that. Or <laughs> <laughs> just rolling your face from one side to the other on like a, a, a mould of jelly. Although that sounds amazing. I want to do yeah, that. I was say, that's better than everything, right? Oh, yeah. Especially fresh jelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this research, uh, the researchers are from the universities of Oxford, Cambridge, and East Anglia, and as well as institutions in Sweden and Germany. And they studied hmm. 70 people who'd just experienced a car crash and were in accident and emergency. Within six hours. Just, a, just an Im- as an image, let's just, just get to that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you have this thing of like lawyers being ambulance chasers. Yes. And they've got like, you know, arms full of farms and they're really desperate. And instead of that, you've got like people with a Game Boy in their hand just chasing after ambulances. <laughs> 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 it's quite a pleasant image, really. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I've now got the image of Red, uh, what's he called? Reggie Filzami from uh, Nintendo, just being like, just approaching this guy where he's in the hospital after a car tra- crash, and just like, has he ever had a crash? Now, is your body ready? Oh, face some Tetris. Now I'm imagining it as a religious thing. Maybe have you, have you, will you accept Tetris into your life? <laughs> well, you never know, because, well, Tetris came from Russia, and I've got a mental image of Putin, say, uh, Putin just saying, yeah, we, we've saved the world. Yes, <laughs> this is how it starts. Oh, no. I just realised, Russia built Tetris, and aren't Russia kind of buddy-buddy with Donald Trump at the moment? Oh, oh yes. and Trump likes his towers, doesn't he? Trump likes his walls. Yeah, he likes his walls and his towers, doesn't he? <laughs> He's been cleared Tetris. That's where he got the idea from. That's, that's, how the that's how the wall's going to be built. He will change for giant blocks to fall from the sky in order and then get angry when they disappear. (laughs) Now my mind's going even further. Now I'm thinking it's turning all these people with PTSD into communist sleeper agents. (laughs) (laughs) On the subject of... Yeah, on the subject of the Cold War. Because, Mm. you know, it was... Uh, Tetris was made in Russia during the height of communism, and the person who made it never actually benefited True. financially from it. And it's like mm. it all went back to funding the great communist Russian state. So yes. maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, like I said, on the subject of the Cold War, do you remember way back when, when the Cold War was at its height, and Ronald Reagan proposed a particular defense initiative for America to protect well, themselves. That was. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, cycle on 30 years or so, and the US military, or certain officials in the US military, two of them in particular, have said that the country and the planet in general should get ready for a war in space. I'm ready? Yeah, I'm already looking forward to it. It sounds brilliant (laughs) the question there is a war with who well what they're saying is that uh north korea could in theory in theory this is this is just a theory (laughs) north korea could in theory use a satellite weapon to send an em pulse over the united states triggering widespread blackouts and ultimately societal collapse i'm like well hang on we had our power out on this street for a while not long ago (laughs) It didn't devolve into anarchy. I was already in anarchy, though, Rob, let's be fair. It depends how much people need the internet. Mm. And it also depends on whether North Korea has, like, 30 pence left in its military budget or not. Yes. Which I think we sort of know the answer to, don't we? Well, there was a brilliant story about uh, a North Korean defector 
and uh, he was having real difficulty in a he had like massive culture shock because he was trying to adjust to a society with advanced technology yeah. compared to what he had in North Korea. <laughs> well, it's basically Pyongyang and a lot of farms. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't care. Everyone seems absolutely petrified of North Korea for some reason at the moment, despite the fact that their major tactical achievement in the military realm was maybe hacking Sony. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not like they interfered with the 2016 election. <laughs> no. That's the big boys game. Yes. You kind of get the feeling that with Korea, you know, um, Kim Jong... Oh, what was his dad called? His name was... Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. Yeah, he was insane, but at least he had, like, a degree of intelligence about him. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. as his son Kim Jong Un gets the feeling like all the sort of high military power players and political players just like yeah that's a great idea do you think of that all yourself oh we're gonna do that as quick as we can I'm <laughs> <laughs> talking down him like he's either a cat or a small child because frankly you know it has just occurred to me that the transition of power between the Kims is basically what would happen if Donald Trump was succeeded by Eric Trump. <laughs> is that his, his young teenage child? That that's no. That uh, his his youngest son is called Baron. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, it's just all pump drugs. <laughs> a Baron Trump is when you do one of those incredibly sort of smelly ones that nobody hears. And it just empties rooms. I thought a Baron Trump was one of those really dry ones that hurts when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now do we vanker? No. <laughs> no. Reminds me just like, yeah, it just sounds like a James Bond villain. Yeah. Ivanka, Ivanka Trump is one of those Trumps which smells a lot like meat and makes you hungry. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's better than I expected, I guess. <laughs> ah. Do you know, it's interesting that we're talking about smells and stuff like that because, right, your, mm. your sense of smell is one of your sense. It's basically a sense, isn't it? Smell is a sense. You have a nose yeah. for a reason. Well, a recently discovered Tyrannosaur that lived 75 million years ago, has shed some new light onto how the dinosaur used to hunt its prey. Oh. Yep. Apparently, mm-hmm. it used the sixth sense to hunt but its why, prey. But why do you tell whether Bruce Willis is a ghost or not? I don't know. Does it say well, what that sixth sense is? Uh, they're still trying to figure out most of the details of the sixth sense. But You they... see, this is just... Uh, this is one of these things, you know, when you get science and you're talking about things that died out or yeah. came to be like hundreds or thousands or even millions of years ago. Nobody can call them on it, can they? Yeah, yeah I mean... No, like, it's, like, it's well, like going to the dentist. You can't really exactly turn around and go, yeah... You're just lying, mate. They've got an idea of it. Um, they reckon it's virtually no, identical. No, 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 I don't think they do. I think they just uh, make yeah, stuff I up. don't think they do. Rob, put yourself in the financier's shoes here. Let's say you have funded, for reasons best known to yourself, a study into what sense a Tyrannosaur used to hunt its prey. And after £2 million of your own personal finances and a four-year research gestation period, they come back with a paper saying that the sick one... Well, they've got a bit more concrete evidence than just that. <laughs> um, oh, basically, yeah, I know. Basically, from the way the uh, the skull is structured, they've figured out using this new using this emerging paleontological technique that the sixth sense that that, that tyrannosaurs in particular had is 
almost identical to the sixth sense that living crocodiles have. Now, I've just literally found out that living crocodiles have a sixth sense, which they yeah. makes them far more terrifying than I initially thought. <laughs> Psychic crocodiles. They'll have no problem with Bruce Willis. <laughs> We are all thinking that this sixth sense is psychic, right? Everyone's on the same oh. page. Here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we do so, have, like, dozens upon dozens of senses. The whole idea yeah. of this sixth sense is just kind of idiotic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be things like uh, sensing magnetic fields, which birds can do, certain birds anyway, homing pigeons mm-hmm. in particular, you know. Um, sharks can sense uh, electrical currents given off by uh, living creatures. What about that sense where you're in a crowd full of hundreds of people and somebody shouts, and you can still hear him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You got uh, loads of them. Yeah. <laughs> loads of them. Oh, that one where you're si- you're sitting down and you know someone's staring at but at you, but you know you look around and there's no one actually looking until what you about- give up. And then you notice that there is just one person. And they quickly look away. What about the sense of existential emptiness? <laughs> well. It exists. I'm just quite excited now for the new Jurassic Park film because if they include yeah. that, that could that could make things a lot more interesting. All I can say is that the Jurassic Park X Men crossover. Yeah. <laughs> well, I worry about that. How they're going to up the game in the sec- the Jurassic World two? Because the whole point of Jurassic World one was everybody's getting really bored of normal dinosaurs. We've got to have a super mega ultra dinosaur with with wings and he's a robot and and, and he can see through <laughs> and he can see through even he's got laser eyes and his teeth are made out. Well, we adamantium. <laughs> it, it, it's it's weird you say that because I think it was on four panel Andrew and I. Uh, speculated about a new form of uh, X-Men uh, because we realised that Godzilla is actually a mutant and <laughs> Godzilla was part of the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there for you. Works for me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a change, isn't it? Can you imagine Charles Xavier trying to contact Godzilla? <laughs> I, I feel sorry for the costume department, frankly. Yeah. That's a lot of cross-stitch to get something to fit that. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla in spandex. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Oh, don't get me hot and bothered. <laughs> All right. Godzilla talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> staying with Under the Sea, okay. there's a travel company that says it has the technology to take people on romantic mini breaks for £86,000. Guess where they want to take people for that price on a romantic Atlantis. mini break. No, not Atlantis, but you're close. The back of the Titanic. Yep. What? (laughs) There's nothing that says romance like being in a place where hundreds of people drowned. Exactly. Look, sweetheart, that one got cut in half by a closing door. Look, honey, this is where all the Irish died. (laughs) Do you reckon they would have to watch Titanic as they went down? Oh, no, can you imagine if they had Celine Dion on perpetual loop on the way down? (laughs) I've got to admit, watching, even if you are going to the wreck of the Titanic, actually watching Titanic feels a bit like watching a live on an airplane flight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, lovely. So, so the thing is like, oh, that, that that door was big enough. He could have gotten on there. Yes. <laughs> like the, the film Titanic. That's romantic. 
ish. This kind yeah. of saccharine Nova blood. Yeah. But the actual real Titanic. Yes. Yeah, What's romantic like, about that? That's the question. Like the difference between Sebastian Fox's bird song and the actual Battle of the Somme, really, isn't Yes, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, the travel company is, uh, it's basically a travel company to the rich called Blue Marble, Blue Marble Private. And the plan is to take <laughs> off in Newfoundland in Canada in a helicopter or seaplane and rendezvous with a support yacht moored at the site of the wreck. Now, this article describes the next bit brilliantly, so I'm just going to quote this. There will then be a token period of science and explanations and regret-filled seasickness before the exciting (laughs) bit happens. (laughs) And three people at a time are allowed into a custom-built titanium and carbon fibre submersible and taken for a terrifying trip 2.37 2.37 miles beneath the surface of the ocean. Is it? Is it? Um, are you joined on it by a, a Richard Attenborough lookalike? Oh, <laughs> no, oh. I, th- I think they've got to go with David Bellamy on this one. <laughs> I was going with a Jurassic Park image, but you know, go on. Go ahead. Oh. Are the submersibles said to be unsinkable? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> that would make them quite bad at their job, actually. I mean, if there's a one thing you expect a submersible to do, <laughs> yes. it's go beneath the water. It is actually sink, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, here's a quandary. Mm. Isn't that basically a protected site? Yes. Yeah, it is. So having a submersible with, with horny people, basically, <laughs> going down there. Hang on, hang on. Are, are they going to be part of the Mile Law Club? Because you got the Mile High Club. <laughs> the Mile Down Club. Yeah, the Mile Down Club. Which has images, which I will leave the listeners to come to the wrong conclusions with. But yes. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because uh, you always. The bottom of the ocean is this weird place, and they're still making discoveries about all sorts of things at the bottom of the ocean. But yeah, it's, it's a, basically like a different planet down there, isn't it? Yeah. How different yeah. it is to be There is a German robotics company. <laughs> called Festo. And back when we used to do the news on a regular basis on the Geek Show, Festo came up several times because Festo are quite... What's the word I'm looking for? They're quite unusual when it comes to their robotics. They like to innovate in certain ways. And Festo have come up with a a new robotic arm that is inspired by a creature that lives in the sea, sometimes deep down in the sea. Okay. Is it a lobster? Nope. Is it an octopus? Yep. Is it Cthulhu? Nope, it's an octopus. (laughs) They've basically come up with a robotic tentacle arm. Oh, wow. This is exactly... When I was a kid, that's why I hoped my job would be inventing a robot octopus. Nope, they haven't invented the octopus. Just the tentacle arm. Let me dream, Rob. <laughs> Japan's yeah, going to be getting very excited over this, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> we we, we, we can do it with, with group of tomorrow's world, and what we got for like decades was basically here is a robot can opener. Here is a robot production <laughs> line. Nothing interesting. Yep. It was just basically necessary stuff. But now we're do getting you know, onto the real meat of insanity. Do you know what the the only thing that I think is actually like living in what people imagined the twenty first century as is e cigarettes. 
<laughs> yes. If yes. someone had like done a damn dare comic or something where they all have robot cigarettes that emit these massive clouds of perfumed small, you think, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Now they're here. Also, yes, they are. cars that drive themselves, they're becoming a thing. They're like the second thing I'd add to that list. Yeah. Yes, that's very true. Google yep. cars. Yeah. Well, this thing so is. Basically, co- wherever you go, you end up in a, like a sex club because that's what the internet does. Wherever you search for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Festo have called this thing uh, quite obviously the octopus gripper. And... I would have called it the octoworm. I'll be honest. Well, there's a picture I'd have of it. it Robot <laughs> <laughs> You say that this uh, company, uh, who I'm going to call Pesto, because, you know, (laughs) I I need to amuse myself any way possible, Uh, they've featured before here, right? Yes, they've had all sorts of stuff that they've made. Some of it's been quite interesting, but others have been a little bit mad. Right. It just looks like they've put an extension on Nunu from the Teletubbies. Now, imagine, they've called it the octopus... Oh, that's, that's, that's really disappointing. You know when they're doing sort of, like, uh, magic tricks, and it's actually just the guy with his arm through the wall? Yeah. Yes. In a suit. That's what it looks like. See, yeah. I was thinking more along the line... See, when I looked at this, I thought, oh, my God, Enter the Dragon, the, fi- the final fight would have been so very different. Because <laughs> <laughs> imagine you've got a prosthetic hand, but you can replace mm. it with something like an opt- octopus tentacle. <laughs> does have a bit of a sort of smash robots quality to it, I think. It does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think Doc Ock's going to use it in the next Spider-Man film, it, is oh, he? Oh, no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> and it has, like, a woman um, who is basically holding his hand, which might sound sweet and adorable, but I imagine it's also because that robot is so inept at holding stuff that calling it, yeah. like, an octopus is kind of wrong, you know, because an octopus <laughs> is sticky and can hold stuff. It's got suction cups on so it can hold stuff. And I don't think octopus Octopuses really would um, would have flourished as a species if a, each and every one had to have a woman holding its hand. True, true. A lot of, a, adorable image. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Hi there. Hope you're enjoying the show. While you're at it, why not listen to some of our other ones, like Keyframe, where Rob and Lewis talk about all things anime and cartoon-related things. Listen to it. It's great. This is Ryan Sumo from uh, Squeaky Wheel. We're working on political animals, and it's been a lot of fun, like being on the Geek Show podcast network. Muscly men in tight, scantily drawn women, and plenty of controversy. Only on Four Panel, the Geek Show's exclusive comics and manga podcast. We're heading into orbit again, but this time not for Space Wars. This time is for architecture. Right, there is a New York-based company called Clouds Architecture who have a history of developing complex and imaginative buildings. But they Mm. have designed a new building called the Analemma Tower. And it's a skyscraper. That's a bad... Yep, it's a skyscraper. But it's not going to be built on the ground. Their concept is for this skyscraper to be built on a nearby asteroid that's affixed to... uh, That's basically put into... Earth orbit and of pointing course, down. A simple solution. <laughs> yeah, their universal orbital support system involves pulling a large asteroid into orbit over Earth, then using high strength cables to lift a super tall tower up from Earth as a permanent fixture above our atmosphere. I what am... could possibly go wrong. I never see difficulties with this. Yeah. There's a million questions there. Yep. <laughs> One. Who lives on this asteroid? And have they been asking for... Is there, like, a lack of housing on this asteroid? Oh, no, no. (laughs) The proposal... number two... Yep. 
And they're doing it just because they can, because if that's the way they're operating, they're basically like a Bond villain. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think they're doing it because they can. Uh, the proposal calls for the project to take up initial residence above Dubai. Of course, it's Dubai. Had to be, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. I have to get stuff like that. I thought it might have been New York at first when you were first talking about it. I feel kind of sad for all the asteroid dwellers who are having their homes gentrified like this. <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, you could walk down the street and you know everybody's name. Yeah, yeah, no. there were real communities there. Yeah, t- uh, Ted dancing on every corner. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to stay in space for the next story, because Uranus, the planet, right? Mm. Scientists have been asking lots of questions about Uranus, but the person who wrote this article only had one question, which scientists have easily answered. What does Uranus smell like? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had that whole Ferrari about the name change, so... <laughs> a variety of things. It depends if it's wiped or not. <laughs> yes, it is a good job that they uh, got the name changed before asking this question. Well, it's ironic that you mentioned wiping because they found that the atmosphere in Uranus or Uranus, yes, is it. It, it, it's it's got lots of hydrogen. It's got helium. It's got all sorts of things that are toxic toxic it's got sulfur and it's got ammonia and they reckon that if they brought back a sample of your of the atmosphere on your on uranus two of the prominent smells would be ammonia which anyone who's basically not flushed their toilet for a while will smell and also hydrogen sulfide which is basically what gives your farts that rotten egg smell. So both the pronunciations of it feed perfectly into the joke here. Yes. Yeah. That's impressive. It's nice that they're asking all of these important questions, you know, they're not looking for, like, a potential new habitable planet. They're not looking for life (laughs) out there in the stars and the cosmos. They want to know what stuff smells like. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they're easing off all that Cuba for cancer nonsense. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's nice that, you know, once upon a time anyway, I used to think that scientists were a clever bunch. Yeah. uh, That they were, you know, interested in pushing boundaries forward, discovering the indiscoverable, and, you know, really pushing humanity forward. But in reality, they're basically just stoners. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, it's very interesting you mentioned stoners. Oh? (laughs) Yes. It's very interesting you mentioned stoners. Oxford University. <laughs> I think they have a policy which means to kill any stoner on site. Nope. <laughs> there is a private equity company called Kingsley Capital Partners, and they're funneling a whopping ten million pounds into research at Oxford University. Their research is gonna center solely on one particular thing marijuana, cannabis. They're researching oh. cannabis. Not to is find it... the bad things, but they're trying to find more good things that come from hemp and ah. you know, hemp, cannabis, marijuana. They're trying to find out all the positive things, but you'd think you'd go with an actual dyed in the wool scientific lab, not a university where students are. <laughs> yes, that could cause problems, couldn't it? <laughs> I mean, maybe they saw all the hemp genes or something. They were just like, these are under something here. And this, this ten million that they're putting in, what's that coming as? Is that money or is that in like bags of <laughs> bags of powder? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, readies only, I think. Is it me, or have all of the company talked about today sounded made up? Yeah, it's pretty much every week. So kind of made up. 
But just the names, man, like Kingsley Medical, Blue Marble Private, I think is amazing. Um, yeah, he never made it to Sergeant, though. Yes. <laughs> and also, another thing, most of these stories kind of like can be described away with uh, the few simple words. Wouldn't it be funnier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thing it's is, the scientist equivalent of, I'm not racist, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's the scientist equivalent of, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> 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 Hang on, isn't that like the prelude to any Darwin Awards story? Yes, basically. <laughs> basically. I just it just amazes me how many how many people seem to have so much money that they can just waste on stuff like this. It's like Yeah, I could have it. Well, I mean yeah, I mean I, I understand they're looking for some of the positive effects of uh, marijuana. Because the thing is, as pain relief medication, it is you know, there are very few things that are better than it. Yeah. Mm. Um and so they're looking at uh, ways to you know kind of emphasize the positives and maybe even change political minds about it you never know but yeah. uh it can be used for I mean it it can be prescribed uh, for medicinal purposes so at least there is some measure of people recognizing there are positive effects to cannabis but they want to basically look at uh, all sorts of other things and actually do a proper study with it so it is you know, I'm applauding them for doing it. I just question using the university. Well, I wouldn't really put... Was it Cambridge or Oxford? Oxford. Either, it's o- Oxbridge, either. Or. Yeah. I wouldn't really put them in sort of the same class as just typical universities. Really? Really? Well, y- y- there's still going to be that sort of thing there, but... Oh, of course there's, 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 there's that an, sort of thing there. There's an elitism to those places where, you know, better than the average university, you know. No, 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 they just have better standards when they get high. Remember, yes. Clinton tried but didn't inhale. Where was he mm. at the time? Well, there's a whole city in Cambridge and Oxford, so... True. Just yeah, just a support <laughs> system for the university, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where all the servants live? <laughs> I incidentally I had an idea with a friend of mine Ollie that we were going to start a punk band uh, called the Bullingdon Club this was you know back in about 2010 when it was topical and our gimmick would be we'd come on stage in like top hat and tails and just sort of sit there and pause for a bit and then our butlers would come on and play all the songs <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Yes. That is really If I haven't asked that as music. Yeah. Shall we head over to Japan for a, for a second? Yes. I think we're nearing that time of the show where In things are going to... Japan. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, things are going to degenerate badly from uh, <laughs> from after this story. The Japanese Olympics are going to happen in, what was it, uh, 2020, was it? I believe so. Um, yes. Yeah. And in preparation for the Japanese Olympics, well, the Japanese, they basically push English as a language that people that they're that the kids need to learn, right? So this is a pen, everything like that. But the Japanese historically have been better at uh, kind of written English than spoken English. So in order to accommodate all of the English speakers who are going to be heading over to Tokyo in 2020, the Olympic com- the Olympic organizing committee in Japan have basically made all of their staff watch a bunch of TV programs from England. Oh, God. In- including, <laughs> including, and not just limited to, Faulty Towers and Red Dwarf. That, well, that's good. Also, I've got to pick umbrage with the fact that they may uh, chose Red Dwarf. Didn't 
that program basically make up its own words? Yes. Kind of. True. But they're better than several actual existing words. So, you know. So, at the, at the Olympics, is it going to be a lot of Japanese and or 20-somethings and uh, all the people calling everybody smeghead? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, some of them will go smeghead. The others will go smeghead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least they're not doing uh, Only Fools and Horses with Del Boy's uh, attempts at French. Oh, God. No, no, no. Imagine if Only Fools and Horses was on this list. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> Whenever somebody does bad, everyone just does the boysy laugh. Yes. Imagine if was on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be just going around talking about Shatner's bassoon all the time. It would be amazing. <laughs> That is fine innuendo, by the way. I never only just noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> the best brass eye jokes have a sort of time release quality, don't they? Yes, they do. You hear them and you get them about three years later. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done like um, one foot in the grave as well. Just be like, oh my god, I do not believe it. Oh my god, like, that, he's, no, no, no. He's, he's, he's only stumbled. It's, it's just fine. Can you well, I imagine? <laughs> Better picking like in a variety of these shows, and it would be like, having like a like a season or a, a really long playlist of Queen's speeches because that'd be really tedious, you know. Yeah, but can you imagine if they went with Father Ted? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going to save them when the Geordies rock up. <laughs> Why stop at sitcoms though? Why not do a Clockwork Orange? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine the like the judo final? Just the rever- Japanese referee going time for a bit of the old ultra violence. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> well, brothers. Yes. And a time for a bit of the old in out. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is judo, not Brazilian jiu jitsu. <laughs> no, they're talking about the, the two hundred and fifty meter breaststroke. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they jump in the pool and they eventually get out the pool. So technically, I'm right. Yes. Yeah. You can't fault the logic. No, and I do not want to play that version of the hokey hokey. <laughs> anyway, um, it is it is good though because uh, uh, I'm a fan of uh, Japanese wrestling and I've listened to like some podcasts where people have made like their career over in Japan. Yep, oh, mm. live over in Japan, and they say a lot of the people speak English, but it's broken English. Yeah. yeah, so you become yeah. like very fluent in speaking broken English. You can't use any big words or or whatnot. You got to be kind of uh, reduce your vocabulary uh, a great deal. See, that's where I have the advantage because I've got lots of Asian relatives who speak in broken English, so I'm used to it. I think it can be quite charming to have like the sort of cubist version of language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining how that would be. <laughs> Language in 3D, is that what you're saying? It's, it's just like, it's, you can see what it is, but bits of it are in the wrong place. <laughs> exactly. It's just a nice idea as well, getting them to watch sitcom. Yeah. 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 Oh, at least isn't that going to turn up like how like <clears throat> a lot of people over here learn Japanese by watching anime? Yes, oh, so. kind of, yeah. You're going to get a lot of, like, I don't know, what, is that, what, what, what do you call like the <laughs> Japanese version of weebs? No. But, uh, <laughs> obsessed with English culture? No, I'm it's just it. imagining after the 2020 Olympics, you're going to get a lot of Japanese tourists over here just walking up to people going, suits you, sir, suits you. <laughs> it's just kind of making me pine for like the Japanese, you know, like um, certain countries don't have subtitles, they just dub everything. Yeah. 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 I just want the dubbed version of all our English stuff. 
but with Japanese because I've seen clips of it and it's hilarious. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think I saw um, a Doctor Who episode where they dubbed, they dubbed the dark into Japanese and it was absolutely magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I once uh, saw the dubbed version of The Simpsons in France where they had dubbed Smithers with the most inappropriately like gruff, macho voice you could possibly have. <laughs> Excellent, sir. Right away. <laughs> basically, by he, uh, Smith was is voiced by John Renard. <laughs> yes, uh, speaking of voices, ah. you guys are really good with the segues today. With the uh, yeah. unwitting segues, I should say. Speaking of voices, uh, do you remember in that Batman movie with Bane and Tom Hardy had that weird mask on that made his voice sound funny? Yeah, made him sound like Kenneth Williams from the Carry On movies. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know why, but somebody has decided to make something like that for people. It's called Hushby, and it is the world's first voice mask for mobile phones, and it's described as a personal acoustic device that protects speech privacy in open space environments. Oh, boy. That sounds like something for spies. How yeah. we can now talk in, like, um, <laughs> in language it can't be. In encrypted language. You can talk in encrypted language. Everyone's just going to do being impressions, though. Oh, no, no. There are some there are some custom sound modes already active, <laughs> right? The custom sound modes that you can use already for this... Bas basically, it's effectively a voice changer, right? Uh, a really expensive voice changer. The custom sound modes include... Wind, Ocean, Minion, and R2-D2. <laughs> oh, no. We knew the Minions would have to pop up somewhere, wouldn't they? This is like a much more proactive version of having celebrity voices on, like, sat now. Yes. <laughs> Incidentally, right, I, I actually Googled something recently because I thought someone must have done that, and I found out that they hadn't, and I'm still reeling from it. Brace yourself. There is no such thing as a Werner Herzog sat nav. Tom left in 200 yards as though it makes a difference to the cold and meaningless universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, change where you wouldn't get where you were going. <laughs> no, you'd end up being dragged over the mountains. But it's I the journey that instinct. counts, Graham. It's the journey that counts. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting idea, though, because you could actually do that. I mean, imagine you get, like, mods with different people's voices. Yeah. So you have loads yeah. of people going around with Brian Blessed voice or Patrick Stewart yes. voice or Werner Herzog voice. No, no, I've decided the Brian Blessed sat-nav is more like a sonic weapon. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know that Simpsons Apparently. episode where Bart Simpson gets all the megaphones and lines them up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he has bigger lungs than the, the normal man. I believe it. <laughs> Brian Blessed. Yeah. yeah. I 20% bigger, apparently. Yeah. If it's Brian Blessed, I'm likely to believe it. I mean, the guy punched a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> there are very few humans in this world who can say that, who are still living. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, hush me. Uh, I'm not sure why you would need to protect your voice in open environments. Well, it's a it's going to be that like, as an idea, but it's like many things that are designed for one thing and they're picked up by something completely else. Yeah, but it's my really question is, time. what phone call could be so you know could be so private that you need to wear this particular thing? I mean. Are you having like sexy talk with your with your other half? And in which case, why would you do, use minion voice or R two D two? 
<laughs> people, people have kinks, Rob. People have kinks and fetishes, and I you, know, you know those people who say, "Oh, I'm wacky as," and then all they do is share like minions things on the Facebook. Yeah. Yes. Those people would love, you know, sexy time talk with minions. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm looking at the cosplay side of things, and it's like a lot of cosplayers are really dedicated, and something like that probably would be something that they might pick up. I can understand it in terms of cosplay. That's fine, right? I just, hmm. I'm just questioning it in terms of a phone call. <laughs> lots, lots of pranks as well. Oh, yeah. Can, can you imagine if this was like one of those uh, bits of kit that James Bond didn't want? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a he's got a f- James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. James, you can talk like a minion on this. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig's R two D two voice. <laughs> oh no no! The wind and ocean. Oh what, god, what yeah. What they sound like? I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, if you talk like that, what's the benefit of it? Because nobody will be able to understand you, unless you've got like an app on your phone which is like wind to text translation. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. <laughs> Google Translate is working on it. <laughs> I mean, it has enough problems with accents. Never mind wind. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a Thai film with a scene where there's the international language of emoji, where a twelve year old girl and a, a Korean no, a Thai guy basically have like a conversation, and all they exchange is a series of emojis to convey like really complicated messages. So if that exists. Anything can. Yeah, but can you imagine trying to use one of those virtual assistants? Siri replying, I'm sorry, I don't know. (laughs) Well, at least the voice actress would earn a a crust for that. Yeah. Ah, We're going to stay in, uh, we're going to move back to Japan now. Hmm. And there is a company in Japan, and you know how social media is quite a shallow place to be, and people who live their lives on social media, like those wacky people that Rob mentioned, the ones who share minion photos. I'm mad as me, they yeah. always describe themselves as. Yeah, They're, they they live quite uh, quite sad little lives, and if you're on social media and you're leading quite a sad little life, there is a way to... Make your life seem more interesting on social media. There is a company in Japan that will rent fake friends to pose in social media photos for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and go. That's just what? kind of uh, a logical conclusion of buying Twitter followers, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is apparently a niche market in Japan now. <laughs> right. And I'm just thinking, uh, basically, one company allows female office workers to hire a hot guy to come to their office and cheer them up. <laughs> isn't that basically what, like, um, male escorts are for? Yes. Yes, it's like a dog's <laughs> prostitution. And the company's goal is to make its customers appear so popular that they move up in the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Japan's got a lot of, like, I wouldn't say, like, hierarchy. They do have a lot of thing about popularity and stuff like that, isn't it? It's like somebody who isn't popular is pretty much considered yeah. to be a loser, more or less through, like, through a lot of the life, isn't it? Well, I mean, the company's mm-hmm. called Real Appeal, and uh, effectively, they're a corporate version of those, you know, the fake guests you get at South Korean weddings, or uh, all those fake mourners that you get at some, like, was it Chinese funerals or something like that? Yeah. So it's kind of a corporate version of that, and so when you look at it in terms of that, it's not as, uh, you know, uh, it's not as shocking, but it is... <laughs> The fact that they've basically taken something that people have been doing for 
a couple of hundred years and made it into a money-making thing because they've spotted a niche in the market, even if that niche is tiny. Well, you've got to keep on top of things somehow, don't you? This is true. It's this true. is true. Hmm. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I, to be honest, I think it's a good idea. I, think, I mean, obviously, there does seem to be like a lot of people in Japan who kind of, like, are lonely. Yep. And don't really have like any friends and stuff like that. So if they're kind of perceived as having friends, then that might help them like either in the career or in the real, like in the personal life as they're trying to adjust into like more back into society. Oh yeah. There is an extent, there is like a, that, that isn't like a nice um, side to it, but there's also like the, the bad side of that because how does it work? Is it like these people turn up and they are generally friendly and they want to be friends with people and they're just doing their job, you know, uh, posing for photos or whatever. Are there the people who turn up really cold, really emotionless, do their job and then disappear? Well, that could change everything, frankly. Yeah, it could. I'm, yeah. The customers can choose their potential friends from a catalogue of Real Appeal staff members. Customers can choose based on age, sex, and physical attractiveness, which I'm assuming is a sliding scale. Um, <laughs> once selected, a staff member shows up and will pause in social media photos for two hours. The price of the service is 8,000 yen, which is about $70. That's what, 50 quid? Yep. And you can also purchase as many... Well, no, it's about 70 quid now. The exchange rates. Well, I think... Uh, actually, it might be a little bit more. I think we were below the dollar. The pound, I think, has gone below the dollar. Um, you oh. can purchase as many friends as you would like, by the way, but there is no bulk discount. <laughs> there is no buy one friend, get one free. Sliding scale of attractiveness. <laughs> I'm yes. just assuming it's a sliding scale. So you can rent, like, I hate to say it like this, but you can rent a load of ugly people and make yourself look more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> there is that possibility. <laughs> there is that possibility. Oh. No, I think I think overall it's a good idea, but I think it's just one of those things. It's kind of like it can be corrupted very it can, easily. It can be very corrupted, yeah. Or you can create your own wares Wally photos. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to do that now that you said it. <laughs> say, this is the most expensive wares Wally book ever. No, it's just going to be robbing his stripy jumper. <laughs> <laughs> and a beanie. <laughs> I'd be doing my best Donald Sutherland impression from Inversion of the Body Snatchers in every photo. <laughs> uh, anyway. Squealing and pointing at the camera. Yes, yes. Uh, shall we have our final news story now? Yep. Okay. And we're heading all the way to China. All the way to China for, for fried chicken. We're heading to China for fried chicken. In particular... Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, it seems like a long way to go. Well, I'm not sure how to explain this particular story. You know KFC has that secret blend of herbs and spices that makes you crave it fortnightly? Mm. And you know how mm -hmm. some people have a perpetual diet of KFC and how some people just go there like several times a week to eat? You're talking about yourself now, Rob. Nope. <laughs> well, the next generation of fast food has arrived in China before anywhere else. <clears throat> I'll throw in all the special spices all over the chicken while it's still alive. Nope. Baidu is the Chinese equivalent of Google, and they recently announced that the they have a new restaurant concept in Beijing, and they're working in partnership with KFC. Now, the internet company's kiosk conducts a quick facial scan of a customer, and then the smart restaurant considers your age, weight, gender, and mood, and then based on a complex algorithm, it quickly determines what the customer would like to eat. This can be corrupted. <laughs> so if you're too, too big, it'll say jog on fatty, you've had too much. <laughs> so basically, you turn up, and you no longer have to... Basically, you know when you go into 
a fast food joint. And you go, um, I think I want that, but I'm not sure. This machine will do all of that for you. So you don't even need to decide anymore. <laughs> That's kind of incredibly bleak, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it does it all for you, and then it just orders Greg's. <laughs> just like a lot of people in a queue, the machine looks at you, spits something out of it all. You take it, you move on. Next person, same, 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 same. Very dystopian science fiction, that is. Yes. I liked how utterly nauseating you made that sound, Rob. It was impressive. Well, <laughs> You're quite welcome. The irony to it all is Rob said that, and uh, I just have to remind people, this has this is being trialled in China. Yeah. Makes, yeah, now you were... Uh, it makes a lot more sense, power. doesn't it? So, uh, it's kind of a bleak story to end on, but... Uh, <laughs> And there's a I... robot at the door that says, has a nice day in broken English. <laughs> <laughs> and it does it while slightly, while slightly cocking its head to one side. I made this kind of sound, uh, sound kind of psychotic, so I'm yes, sorry about yes, that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it gives some examples. Um, the kiosk recommends the crispy chicken hamburger and chicken wings to a 20-year-old male. Okay, fine. On the other hand, a 50-year-old female receives a meal recommendation of soybean milk and porridge. <laughs> this another angle which could come into consideration with a more ethnically diverse country than uh, China. Yeah. Hmm. This thing could racially profile people. Yes, it could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in a fried chicken place as well. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine this in like in the uh, southern states in the USA where oh, fried yeah. chicken is a thing? <laughs> <laughs> depending Someone on how judge you now. <laughs> no, no. Depending on how how good your tan is, <laughs> depend <laughs> the amount of fried chicken you get is dependent on how 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 good your tan is. <laughs> the dark lighter your complexion, the less difference. fried chicken. <laughs> the less fried chicken. <laughs> it's, it's AI, isn't it? And AIs are so far in the whole idea of an AI, of um, science, anyway, of an AI, AI that learns yep. is that, well, it gets corrupted by people and turns into a neo Nazi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, do you remember those uh, AI that, uh, was it Google or Microsoft put on Twitter? Microsoft, was yes. it? Mi- yeah, Microsoft, the Microsoft yeah. AIs that they put on Twitter and they turned into, like, neo-Nazis. I mean, they thought that was a mistake, but that showed me that it was learning from Twitter faster than anyone could ever have thought. Yes. <laughs> so, uh... The joke there is that t- Twitter's kind of neo-Nazi. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, oh kids. <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, on that note, um, we are at the end of the show. Oh, yes. Nazi <laughs> Yes. So, um, yes. I think all of us need some coffee or tea or something like that. Yes, I think so. Yes. Tea is nice. Yes. Yes, um, we are now on Audio Boom uh, as well as iTunes. So, if you enjoyed this show, best way you can support us and the quickest way is to share it um, with your friend through social media uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be, or tell your friends with words out of your mouth, that also happens <laughs> um, or head to thegeekshow.co.uk, go over to the shop tab, or just spend a little bit of time on thegeekshow.co.uk, there's loads of ways you can support, but yes, thegeekshow.co.uk, subscribe listen in, audio boom Pull up the points. I'm throwing them all at you. Until next time when I can do a more coherent outro, I have been Rob. I've been Graham. I've been Mark. And I have been Rob. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next time. Thank you.
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.